Howdy do, y'all. I'm Uncle Drank, star of the ballad of Uncle Drank. It is a scripted musical podcast about the life and times of me, fictional golf and western country music pioneer, Uncle Drank. The series also stars Luke Wilson, Brian Kelly, Chelsea Lynn, Kinky Friedman, and Billy Zane as a talking blender named Blendy. You can find The Ballad of Uncle Drank on Sirius XM, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Jingle Jared. In my former occupation, I was the biggest jingle writer of all time. Now, I'm looking for a new job, speaking to every entrepreneur that I can find so I can find out what it's like to transition from one career to another. All of this expert advice has become the bedrock for a podcast I'm calling Occupational Therapy. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a call from an inmate at the Indiana State Prison. My name is Phil Chalmers, and I'm a serial killer profiler. How many murders are you responsible for? 36. 47 and 52. I found your sister's killer. I want to see him face to face. Listen to Where the Bodies Are Buried, a true crime podcast on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, do you use an electric toothbrush? Well, I can honestly tell you, Quip is the best electric toothbrush in the whole world. Take it from me, I've been using this toothbrush for many years. It's incredible. Makers of the Quip electronic toothbrush want you to know that one single discovery that matters most for your dental care is simply this, that if you have good habits, you are good. Join over 3 million healthy mouths and get Quip today, starting at $25. And if you go to getquip.com slash J right now, you'll get your first refill free. That's your first refill free at getquip.com slash J, spelled G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash J. Quip, the good habits company. And let me talk about this toothbrush for just a moment here, guys. I have been in, obviously, in this game for quite a while. I've used many, many different electronic toothbrushes. This is the best one. It has a timer built in. So while you're brushing your teeth, after 30 seconds, you know to move it. You don't have to think about it. It charges automatically. It's super portable. You can take it anywhere. I'm obsessed with this toothbrush. I've been using this toothbrush for many years. I love it. Trust me when I say go out and use this thing. You'll love it. Hey, howdy do, y'all. I'm Uncle Drank, star of the ballad of Uncle Drank. It is a scripted musical podcast about the life and times of me fictional golf and western country music pioneer, Uncle Drank. The series also stars Luke Wilson, Brian Kelly, Chelsea Lynn, Kinky Friedman, and Billy Zane as a talking blender named Blendy. You can find The Ballad of Uncle Drank on Sirius XM, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Lips LA with Scott Lips. Welcome to the show. We're coming to you live from my bedroom. Truth be told, guys, uh, I did actually record this interview a few days ago, and unfortunately, because I don't have a team around me at this time, in and out, to help me with it, um, I have to do it over. There were some sound issues, and more importantly, I figured out that after I thought I had some sound issues, that the damn thing didn't even save. So that's what happens when you're at home trying to reinvent yourself and trying to do things these days. It's a crazy world. Welcome to our ever-changing world. I hope you guys are all doing okay and staying safe. How's it all going for you guys? Um, Stay at home. 
the isolation, it's tricky. I know a lot of us struggle with it, uh, me included, and, it, and it's really hard for all of us. And I was out a few days ago before, I believe, Mayor Garcetti sort of implemented these rules that you couldn't even hike now or, or go to a beach because I was hiking. And, and people, I got to tell you, they were not staying six to ten feet away from each other. It's disappointing. I feel like I've been really great at following the rules. And if we don't all do that, you know, we're never going to get out of this. So... Anyway, on today's show, I wanted to share a story with you of a close friend of mine who actually contracted the coronavirus while he was in Europe. He ended up in a medically induced coma, and now he's here on the show. He's recovering. I wanted to bring uh, awareness to his story and awareness to the situation. I know that you're getting inundated with you night and day on the news, but, you know, this is a personal story. He's a friend of mine, and when I first got a text maybe about a month ago saying your friend Joey Bennett is in an induced coma... I was like, what the fuck? I mean, obviously, you know, you never want to hear that about someone. And it really hits home and hits so close to home when it's someone that you know well. So uh, coming up in just a moment, we're actually redoing the Joey Bennett interview, and uh, you'll hear from him in just a moment. But um, in the meanwhile, I wanted to share a few tips with you that you can help uh, keep yourself sane during this time. And so probably five tips that you I'm sure you already know because they're, they're common sense, but things that will maybe help your sanity during this time. What can you do to help yourself during this time period that you, will help yourself feel better? So number one, get outside, take a walk. You know, I guess if you have a bike, ride your bike around the block. I know we have to stay at home. But there are certain things you can do, like taking a walk around the block or riding your bike in solitude that you're not going to get close to anyone that you need to do for your own mental health. I've been either running or taking a walk almost every day. And, and I got to tell you, you know, you forget how much you take for granted, like the little things in life, like seeing nature and just walking around outside and seeing like trees blossom. It's crazy. And so I think number one should be for your own mental health, take a walk get outside, clear your head. Number two, meditate or take a class online to meditate. Even do some yoga online. I've been doing a lot of yoga online. Uh, Urban 728 has great classes with Joe. I believe I mentioned them before. You can take meditation classes or just find someone that speaks to you, you know, in the meditative space. Uh, there's a guy named Jay Shetty that I have on the show in just a few days. And uh, Jay is a, is a great motivational speaker. He's definitely someone that speaks to quite a lot of people. He was recently on the Today Show. And whatever you can do to calm your mind and hear from someone that can help you meditate and just get in the zone so you, we all don't go a little bit crazy during this time. As I do this, I have my dog jumping on me. As I said before, I did this interview a few days ago. It didn't actually take, so I got to do it again. We're all going a little nuts. But what are other things that are positive that you can do during this time? Well, number three, learn a language or learn something, discover one of your passions. Let's say you always wanted to learn how to play the guitar. You wanted to learn how to, you know, learn how to speak Spanish or more importantly, like myself recently, you wanted to learn how to cook. Lately, I've been YouTubing, cooking the best eggs in the world. And I'm on a mission to figure out how to cook the best scrambled eggs I've ever cooked. So I never really, really cooked in the last five years. But now, in a way, it helps to rediscover passions. I'm trying to turn, obviously, a really hard time and sort of a negative time, obviously a very negative time, into a positive. So whether it's learning how to draw, learning how to paint, you know, discovering a passion like playing an instrument, learning how to cook, learning a language, discover something that you always wanted to do. Number four. Binge watch a series or show 
that you never got to. Maybe it's Breaking Bad, maybe it's The Wire, maybe it's the new cheerleading show on Netflix, whatever it may be, now's your time. How often do we get to sit down and we actually have a week or two or three, or maybe it's gonna be four months for all I know, you know, but sit down, figure out something you always wanted to do, like binge watch a series that you never got to, and now it's your time. And number five, organize your life, your space, get some zen into your space, whether it's cleaning out your closets, cleaning out your drawers, reorganizing your house, your apartment, use this time to better yourself. So that's what I would suggest. And coming up in just a moment, my friend, Joey Banna, his story about how he contracted the coronavirus while he was in Europe, while he was overseas. Again, he was in a medically induced coma. He's now on the mend. And in an attempt to spread knowledge and awareness about this and hopefully fight this disease, we have him on the show. Again, the hashtags we all hear, stay at home, we're in this together. It hits so much more when it's friends and family that are so close to you. So it becomes even more personal. So coming up in just in a moment, Joey Benna from New York. You're listening to Lips LA with Scott Lips. How you doing, my brother? Great. I'm feeling great. I'm doing good. I'm home just relaxing. Well, this is the first time I've actually done a live remote interview uh, from my house, but obviously the world has changed. I appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, and I, I want to give everyone some context and some background here um, and just kind of talk about how we know each other and how this is all coming, your path and your journey with everything. So I really appreciate you hopping on the phone with us. Of course, man. Uh, of course. <laughs> And, and you know it's it's funny, Joey. It's uh, it's very seldom and uh, and rare do I get a text saying a great friend of mine is you know gravely ill or possibly in a coma or something like that. My heart had gone out to you, and and, and Thank you. everyone Thank was you. really pulling for you. And uh, glad that you're well and you're here to sort of spread awareness and tell your story. So kind of take me through your journey. Uh, and tell me everything, you know, like, tell me how old you are, how it all began and everything. So I'm 39. I have no real pre-existing conditions. I'm not the healthiest guy in terms of, you know, I drink. Uh, I don't smoke. I've never had a cigarette in my life. Um, and it all started uh, a few weeks ago. I visited, um, I went on a trip for two weeks, mostly play, some work. I went to Rome. And then I, uh, for Rome for work, and then for the weekend of Milan, Fashion Week, I went to myself, and, uh, which was, I think, February 20th, that weekend. And it was an amazing weekend, a lot of action, a lot of people there, running around, having fun. And um, then... Now, you obviously had heard about the coronavirus yeah, at that point, and, yeah. and, and had it become like a, a big thing in Italy? Not yet. Of, like, the awareness of Not it? at all. It, it was not felt at all in Rome. And even in Milan, it wasn't felt yet. The weekend went on as normal. Uh, there was fashion parties. There was events. There was a lot of action, a lot of fun. The restaurants were packed. Nobody even thought of Corona. As a matter of fact, even my flight from New York to Rome, uh, I everybody was kind of laughing at me when I posted a, a, a photo on my Instagram of myself wearing gloves and a, and a, and a mask, you know? Uh, you know, there was, but, but obviously you, you did that because the, the the sort of the threat and, and the virus had started to spread. So you'd have heard of about course, it. Of course, it was. But yeah, yet it wasn't. It wasn't. Yeah, by the thing. by the end of February, it was still it was still known and felt as a Chinese problem. You know, we didn't have any cases in America yet. We didn't have any cases. Europe was quiet. We were infected at the time. We know that now, but nobody was just tested for it. Nobody knew about it. 
Um, even in America, people were infected. I mean, I, I've spoken to people, multiple people, this the last few weeks who said, oh, my God, I had that those symptoms. I had, that, I had it a month ago. I had those symptoms. The doctor said it's probably just the flu. You know, stay home. You know, take a lot of liquids, you know, things like that. So. So you're not even 40 years old. You have no, no, no health conditions whatsoever. No, health condi no, right? no. I have, I'm, I'm considered pre-diabetic, but I don't take any insulin. So it's not really a factor. You know what I mean? It's reversible. Okay. It's not. I don't take any insulin for it. Um, anyway, so I, I visited Rome. After Rome, I went for the weekend to Milan. Milan was great. Um, and then Sunday hit. Saturday, Saturday night, Sunday is when. You know, the end of Fashion Week, the closing of the Fashion Week, everybody kind of started freaking out because only an hour away in Lombardy, which is northern Italy, which is Milan is considered northern Italy, uh, there were 40 cases of, of Corona. So then by Sunday the next day, Milan was literally like an exodus. I don't know if you remember, but like all the big fashion houses canceled their shows even Armani had like only no no people in the shows, just like you know, just their employees or whatever. So and 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 the town was crazy. The town was wearing masks. I thought it was in a movie because I've never seen that before. Now we're used to seeing people wearing masks, but you know, come come end of February when nobody even knew what this was, and you see an entire city wearing masks and literally like trying to get the fuck out of Milan. Uh, it was it was something to see. It was really I felt like I was in like a World War Z movie. It was crazy. Now you have been primarily in Milan, but had you been traveling around Italy at all? No, at this po at this Milan. point, I just did Rome for a couple of nights and then Milan, and then and then yeah. that Sunday when it hit and everybody was going crazy, I was like, okay, I need to get the hell out of here. It's over. Milan is over. I got to get out of here. So I got on a train. Um, I didn't want to take a plane. I got on a train, which was the easiest thing to do, and I and I went about two hours south where there was not a Corona problem, and I spent. 28 hours in Florence because I've never been there and I just wanted to go. So I went to Florence. I had the best time. I, you know, I think I was doing like 24,000 steps just in that one day. So I was really like seeing everything in Florence, enjoying myself. And then after the, after the night of Florence, after I saw everything there was to see in Florence and I had a great day, the, the next afternoon I decided to go back to Rome to spend the night. And the next, the following morning, I was heading to London. For a couple of days so but you at that point you really hit a few different cities in italy had you started to take precautions at all joey had you started to in yes yeah, so i remember when i was to... in in florence there was the crowds of people like always you know so it's, it's a busy city of tourists i was wearing masks i was wearing masks i was trying to you know you, you, I, I wasn't as precautious as everybody is today because you know everybody just knows what they know today they didn't know then what they know now so, you know, I was just kind of doing the mask thing. I was washing my hands a lot, uh, taking vitamins, things like that. And and I got to, so I got, I finally, I left Florence. I got to Rome. This is, this is where things get interesting. This is my last night in Rome, and I'm going to leave tomorrow to London. I, I plan to have dinner with this, this girl, this Brazilian girl that I know that happened. She's like a travel journalist. She happened to be in Rome. And we, we plan to have dinner together. We meet up, we start walking around in Rome, and then we go to dinner uh, near the Parthenon. We go to dinner, and in the middle of dinner, I get this phone call from this other girl who was with me a couple of days earlier in Milan. And she goes, Joey, who is the guy is dinner? Because he was clearly sick. There was a guy at dinner Saturday night. This was probably 
Tuesday or Wednesday right now. Saturday night prior, we were, I was at a dinner in Milan, like a 20-person dinner. And, you know, I brought some friends. My other friend brought some friends. And there was some, like, random people at this dinner. And one was this guy who was literally sweating and coughing everywhere. And we so much so that, like, we had to tell him, like, dude, what's up with you? Are you, are you okay? Like, you know, if you're sick, get the fuck out of here. So, and do you have any inclination that this could have been, like, coronavirus or anything? Was like or a, was it just it like, was like a thought of, like, you know, this guy's, you know, he's clearly not well right now. He's sweating at a dinner. It's freezing. Like, what? guy's sweating and he's coughing. So there was a girl, my friend Laura, who, who was next to this guy, sitting next to him at this dinner. I was, like, four seats away from him. She was getting very annoyed. Uh, very annoyed. Now the Laura that no, I know, Laura, French Laura, different, okay. different Laura. Okay. She's from Paris. So Laura okay. tells the guy, like, you know, she's 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 uncomfortable sitting next to him. He's sweating. He's coughing. She's like, "Are you okay? Like, what's going on with you?" He's like, "No, I had fever yesterday, but I feel fine, and you know, I'm better. I'm better." And she kept like badgering him. Finally, he got up and went home. Like in the middle of dinner, he actually left and went home. Okay. End of. By the way, on a side note, we should note that if you even cough near someone these days, it's like they look at you yeah, like, yeah, forget about you're, it. You're, they're gonna murder. Exactly, you. exactly. So at this dinner, we're like every. This Laura was already a little tense, like she's kind of a hypochondriac, I guess, in a good way. So he, so the guy went home midway, mid dinner. He didn't finish the dinner with us. We ended up having a great dinner. We had a great night. End of story. A couple of days later, I'm at, I'm having dinner with this, the Brazilian girl in Rome. And Laura calls me in the middle of dinner. She's in Paris. She goes, Joey, who the hell was the guy sitting next to me in, in, in Milan? Because I'm sick with fever right now in bed and I'm dying. And I know he gave me, he got me sick, this guy. And I'm like, the truth, you know, Laura, I don't really know who he is. I just met him that night, but I'll find out. And I'm kind of like calming her down, being like, don't worry. You don't have Corona. Just take it easy. Drink some fluids. Like, you know, don't calming her down End the phone call. I'm not exaggerating. This is, this is the craziest thing that ever happened to me. 30 seconds after hanging up with Laura, with Laura, 30 seconds. I'm not exaggerating. I'm having dinner in the middle of dinner. I get a chill like I've never gotten before in my life. I put my jacket on. I'm freezing fucking cold. It might as well. It could have been 65, 70 degrees in this restaurant. And my, I, to me, it was zero degrees. I was freezing, shivering, shivering. And so much so that the girl was like, are you okay? And I'm like, no, I think we got to go. I think we got to go. And, I, and, and at the time, I'm thinking like, is this like, did I just get spooked off the phone with this girl? Am I, was this a mental thing, like a sympathy thing? What the hell is going on here? But it manifested into something real. I'm fucking shivering. I was dying. I, so much so that I couldn't even call the Uber because my hands were literally shaking. I'm not, I remember this. My hands were shaking. I could not call the Uber. And at, at, at that point, did panic start to set in, Joey? Where you thought, I wasn't, maybe yeah, I wasn't, there's a possibility right. that I could be connected to the yeah, virus. Yeah, that's when I said, maybe I have this, maybe I have this thing. Let me, let me, you know, I don't know, but let me, maybe I have this thing. Let me, let me like, just let me take, let me get this girl home in a separate Uber. I'm going to take an Uber because we live different parts of uh, Rome. I went back home. I'm in bed, miserable, shivering all night, fever, fever, you know, that you're sweating, but you're freezing, but you know, all that. Taking Tylenol, it's not really doing much. Horrible, horrible night. I wake up the next day, I'm okay. I get on a flight uh, to London, okay? I go to London. Now, I had fever, to make a long story short, I'm in London. The first night I was social, I saw people. Uh, some of those people, unfortunately, got, in, got the virus, I learned later on. Uh, thank God none of them had, they just had like minor symptoms, you know, in bed for a day or two. Some, you know, I, obviously I feel guilty about it, but I didn't know at the time. And, you know, we don't know what we know now. So, so I guess 
I guess, by the way, we should talk about for just on the side now too, some people that do get this that are how I mean, these are people that are obviously in your friend yeah, circle. Younger people. It's just something like a passing flu for them for a week and they quarantine themselves. Not even a week. And not, most fine. of these people had symptoms just for a day or two. So they had like mild fever, some just coughing, uh, some both. Uh, and it lasted for most of the people, it lasted just two nights. So two nights of fever and then they were fine. But then, you know, you tell them, look, I think you have it like you need to quarantine yourselves. Don't go next to other people. Some people took that serious. Some people did not. One of the girls that had the fever, she kept coming over to my house in London. Uh, she went to go see her mother. We told her not to. She went to work the next day. She's like, she just didn't listen. In London, they don't care. It's only till now, right now in London. But for the last three weeks, London was like business as usual. Pubs open. Nobody gave a shit. Boris Johnson didn't care. Prime Minister was like... Well, I think that yeah. now they're feeling the effects of that, obviously. It's, yeah, you know, yeah, now, now you, know, yeah. you know, the guy was a complete schmuck. I think there was even talk of, like, him thinking, oh, we'll just, it'll be good if the whole country, if 60% of the country gets infected, then we'll build immunity, and it was just, like, a very aggressive uh, thinking, a way of thinking, but let's, you know, it's, it's, I'm, ho I'm very hopeful and happy that they finally came through and shut down the city. Like, like we did. And this is before people knew that their health care yeah, yeah. would this collapse. Is before, this, is, be this is before effect. anything. This is what I'm telling you. This story in London, nobody knew anything about Corona, really. It was not what it is right now. So now, I finally, I've been in London for three, four days. I, I went for a conference, and I'm not well. I'm, I have a fever every day. I'm, yeah, I'm usually very active. You know me. I have a lot of energy. I'm all over the place. I was home every day. Imagine I'm in a foreign city. I have friends there. I'm literally not interested. I'm home every day doing nothing. I finally get home Monday. Monday, I take my flight back to New York. I get home to New York Monday night. I, I go straight to my house. I go straight to quarantine myself. I can't move anyways. I'm forced to quarantine myself because I'm so sick. And by the way, my flight to JFK from London, it was the quickest I ever got off a plane in my life and through customs. Flights to Miami take longer to get your luggage and get out of there. It took me 20 minutes to get off the plane get my luggage, go through customs, and get the fuck out of there. It was the craziest thing in my life. And this was, there was a corona scare at this point. I thought they were going to screen me, take my temperature. Zero. They did nothing. They didn't do anything. Mm. It was a joke. So I get off the plane. And by the way, not for anything, at this point, I probably, I, I, pro, I had corona. I know that now. I could have infected. Thank God I was alone. and my, The flight was empty, so there was nobody next to me. Um, but I potentially could have infected a whole flight full of people, which is scary. Right. And I think that's one of the biggest problems now, because obviously, you know, we're all in this together. Hashtag stay at home. Right. I mean, really, the main thing is about isolating yourself so that you're not spreading it, because ideally you could have actually spread it. Maybe you did. Yeah. spread it. To it's 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 like probably. it's like this thing, like the, we're fighting right now an invisible enemy. The whole world is fighting an invisible enemy that's literally all in all of us. And the only weapon we have to fight it is just to simply stay at home alone. That's the weapon. That's it. Because if you stay at home, you cannot get it and you cannot give it. You know what I mean? So like, right. that's the simple, you know, you, you go to war, you have guns, you have bombs, you have things. This is literally the only weapon we have. Yeah, they're trying to, they're, they're, they're testing all these different medications to see if it helps. Nobody knows for sure what's helping, what's not. There are some hopeful drugs out there. There are some promising things that are coming out. Uh, but nobody, again, these are all trials. It hasn't been proven. Everything is just kind of up in the air right now. So... So you know. at this point, Joe, you get off the plane from London. You're still feeling sick. Still, Has panic started to set in for you? 
you're not so much focusing on panic you're just focusing on your symptoms so i i actually didn't get the other symptoms the only thing i had was body aches and fever i did not get coughing i didn't get diarrhea i didn't get any of the other symptoms that, they, that we, we spoke about loss of taste loss of you know loss of uh, smell none of that so i felt i just felt weakened and i felt i was in bed for monday night i got home monday night Stayed home Monday night, stayed home all day Tuesday. Anybody that knows me knows it's impossible for me to stay home. I never stay home. I'm out yeah. in a blizzard. So Tuesday, I'm home. Wednesday, I'm home. Wednesday night, I'm home. Thursday morning, I finally wake up feeling decent enough to get up. And I, and I heard through family, friends, or whatever that New York Cornell on 68th and York, I heard that they have 600 corona tests available. Okay. So at this point, you could not get a corona test. It didn't exist at this point. It was like... We should talk about yeah. that for a minute because there's some people in LA who I know that I think are not feeling well and, and, and they're like, hey, we're, I'd like to go get a test. And really, it's almost impossible to get a test as of now unless you're in one of these designated areas. And they're also encouraging people not yeah. to get tests unless you really feel like so, you have so I, so I had my reservations about that first. First, I'm like, you know, because you see what they're doing in South Korea. They did blanket testing throughout the country. And look, their problem is kind of like solved now. South Korea got hit bad, and they and based on the fact that they tested the entire country, and 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 they were able to use the data to kind of fight this pandemic. Whereas in America, we were so slow with the testing. The CDC and the Department of Health fumbled the first week of testing. Uh, I, you know, I understood later that it and we think it's not just about you know you have to produce these tests it has to be they have to be accurate uh they have to be come from kind of like one source so it's not as simple as we think you know there had to be partnerships that were made between private and public labs to be able to read these tests and and produce them so it wasn't as simple as everybody thought nobody's ever seen and and you know trump got a lot of slack for this and he got killed for this but ultimately like we've never seen a pandemic like this this is all new this is all you know, this is uh, the first time this has ever happened in, in, to this level, you know, where where we have, you know, over 30,000 people. I mean, it's much more than that, obviously. We only have, we have like, I think it's 27,000 positive cases of corona in America. But the reality is, is that majority of people are not tested. So the number is probably 270,000 in America. Yeah, once testing gets up to speed, I'm sure right. those and numbers as they, as they are. I think exactly a week ago today, it was only 7,000 uh, infected people. And I kept looking at that number and I knew because I was getting all the phone calls. I was getting 80 phone I got 100 people calling me because they know I had it. And, and they're all telling me I have symptoms, I have this. So when I did the math in my head, I'm like, okay, out of the 80 people that called me and, and only eight of them got tested, every single one of the eight got tested positive, right? So 10% of the people that called me got tested, only 10% got tested and they got tested positive. The rest just mm -hmm. stay at home quarantined because they have the symptoms, but they don't know where to get a test. Some don't want to get a test. Some thinking they're gonna have to wait online. Some think they're gonna have to pay for it. Some think uh, I'd rather not know. You know what I mean? I don't want this. this thing. So what was the process like for you to get a so test? So I went to I went to New York Cornell, best hospital probably in New York, uh, and I called them before. I told them, look, I think I have the symptoms. I have fever for eight days, uh, and and I've been to Italy. So I said, okay, come by, come wear a mask, you know what I mean? So I, I put a mask on, I was careful, I took, a, I took an Uber, opened the windows, you know, whatever. I get to the emergency room and they give me, you know, they, there was an intake where they asked me some questions. I, I told them, they would not have given me the test or admitted me if I have not been to Italy, okay? So th right. that's why at this point it was impossible to get tested. Nobody could get tested. 
So, so, and this was the, uh, just to give you the date, this was March, this was Friday, Thursday, March 5th, I believe. So this was, it's, it's, it's interesting because uh, about a month ago, I called my doctor in New York with someone on the phone on a conference who was sick. And he said the same exact thing, yeah. Joey. Had you been traveling yeah. abroad? Were you in contact with anyone who had coronavirus? And if the answers were no, he was just like, well, then don't worry about it. Exactly. So this was, this was exactly two and a half weeks ago, March 5th. Gave me the corona test, which is basically just a flu test. They take a they take like a Q-tip and they stick it all the way up your nose. It's very uncomfortable. They stick it all the way up your nose and they give you the same thing in your throat. They just kind of put it in the back of your throat and try to get a culture. They they get, you know it's a very simple thing. It takes literally a minute. And and then they take they take me and they give me a chest X-ray. And in the chest X-ray, they saw something they didn't like, and they needed to to get more clarity. So they shot me up to the CAT scan room. You know, the CAT scan, you go into this like giant machine, this like round machine, they bring you in and it kind of gives you a, a, just a better picture of what's going on inside. So they give me a CAT scan on my lungs and right away they rush me to the intensive care unit because I have major pneumonia and I have basically what they call um, glass opacities, which which is basically liquid marks all over my lungs. It looks like you could see it in the CAT scan. It's like just marks, like little, like, like think of like a, like a Jackson Pollock stroke of paint. Like think of that, like on your lungs, like all over your lungs is like a stroke of something, some sort of liquid. We've heard the term fibrosis too, I believe it's probably. Yeah, yeah, it's very similar. So it's no, it's pneumonia. It's, you know, it, it gives you pneumonia. So I have, and apparently like my, so my lungs are not producing enough oxygen. And it's crazy because I didn't even know this at the time. They're like, what do you mean? You don't have shortness of breath? You don't feel shortness of breath? I'm like, no, I feel fine. I feel like I really did not feel it. And they rush me to the ICU and they sedate me. And basically, before they sedate me, they're like, we need to give you a breathing tube. And I'm like, absolutely not. There's no fucking way you're giving me a breathing tube. You're not putting a, a tube down my throat. I know what this is. They put you out for a few days. Some people never get out of this thing. I, I know people. I know a woman. She, she went in two months ago. She has asthma. She went in for a breathing tube. She still has the breathing tube. Two months later, she's in a coma. Two months later. As we speak, she's still there. Wow. So my family's like, I'm like, absolutely not. I'm not getting a breathing tube. Give me a CPAP. CPAP is a different type of breathing machine. They would not give me the CPAP because the CPAP... If I do have corona, the CPAP can explode and infect all the doctors that are in the room. So through, through a 10, 15 minute argument, the doctor, main doctor finally comes in and says, look, if you don't get this breathing tube in, you're going to die. So you just shut up and put the breathing tube, basically. And, and I just kind of just, I kind of just put my hands up and said, okay. And they put me out. They gave me the, uh, the, the respirator, which is, you know, which basically saved my life, I guess. But I was out from... Friday night till Sunday night, I was not awake. I was like in a coma, basically. So, yeah, because when we were getting text messages and all your friend circle were getting text messages, Joey's in a yeah. coma. I was saying to myself, it's got to be pretty bad to put someone in an induced coma for that to happen. Obviously, you don't induce someone unless they're gravely ill, right? So what was going on with your body? Had your so, body shut so down my body, So my body, so it was really all about my lungs. My lungs were fucked up. And the doctors blanketed my lungs with four different antibiotics because they don't know which antibiotic is gonna is gonna work the best. So they basically bombed my system with four different antibiotics, and then they put me out. They give me the breathing tube so that my lungs can produce oxygen, so that my you know the breathing tube becomes your fake lungs, the respirator becomes your fake lungs, 
and this is what pumps oxygen into your system. They put a tube down your throat. So you're not really breathing and you can't talk. And, and so, you know, for, two, for, for 48 hours I was out. I was in like basically like a coma. I woke up, I think at some point uh, Monday or something. Uh, and, and it was really, really a very, very uncomfortable feeling. I mean, I'm, I'm being, uh, you know, it, it, was, it was horrible. It's, you attached to 10 different machines. You cannot speak. You're alone, by the way, because I'm in quarantine. There's no visitors. There's no, no, nobody in my room, but nurses and doctors running in not that often because they don't want to get infected. So I'm pretty much alone the entire time, which is, which is really, really shit. Yeah, it's scary. Yeah. It's scary and it's sad, you know? I remember there was a point where I knocked it, some sort of the, the oxygen machine. I pulled the plug out or something and everything started beeping. beeping. And, and it takes them 10 minutes to get into your room because they have to put the gear on, they put the masks on. It's like a whole process. And I'm freaking the fuck out because I don't know what I just did. I just pulled some wire out and everything's going haywire. And I'm like, oh my God, am I going to die? I was freaking out. Finally, the nurse came in and fixed it. But like, it was like a few scary moments. And it was not fun because you literally, you know, not to get graphic, but you have a catheter, so you can't pee. You know, you attach to 10 different machines. They're taking blood. They're pricking you every 10 minutes with something else. You know, it was just a terrible, terrible experience. And all the while, you can't even speak. And your best... And most people that go under like this, Joey, just to sort of educate everyone, is it normal to wake up in two days? So, what, so what just based on based on the people I know now that are in it, and, and there's quite a few people that went to the ICU. I mean, everybody thinks this is some sort of older problem. This is not going to affect me. I'm not exaggerating. I know 80 people that have corona right now. Out of the 80, like I said, eight tested positive, And there's four that are critical condition in the hospital. Every single one of them is still in the hospital right now. And, 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 and they are, happens to be that all four that are in the ICU are above the age of 60. They're, in, they're all in their 60s, actually. And one person, unfortunately, passed away. It was a friend of mine's dad just passed away on Friday uh, because of this corona. So, so it's, it's, you know, this thing is real. This thing is so scary. People like yeah. to think people are still yeah. not taking it serious. It's like it, it drives you crazy, you know? And it's not obviously just an older person's disease, because in the end of the right. day, I'm young, young and, I've, and, I, and I have, listen, I, if, if you, to ask me, I think the reason why it hit me so hard, my body, my immune system was dead. I was running on fumes for a week, no sleep, literally, like I said, 20,000 plus steps a day. I'm all over the place. I'm drinking, I'm eating pop, I'm eating crap. Uh, I, like my, my immune system probably didn't exist at this point. You know what I mean? So when I got hit, it hit me very, very hard. I had fever for eight days. I didn't take care of myself. And also what we know now that we don't, we didn't know then was our first reaction when anybody gets a fever is to take, you know, to take either Tylenol or to take like an ibuprofen, which brings the fever down. We know now that with this COVID, which is coronavirus, you cannot take an ibuprofen. You cannot take any anti-inflammatories because it kind of exacerbates the corona. So they're telling you, you can only take Tylenol, Tylenol, Tylenol. You know right. It's a major thing, and and it's funny because all the things that I'm hearing now about this disease that positive, what to do, what not to do, I've heard it from my French friends in Paris first. Believe it or not, I guess the healthcare system in Paris is very advanced. These guys know what they're doing. I heard this this thing. My friends in Paris told me about this Tylenol thing maybe three weeks ago. It's finally coming out, like like a couple of days ago here in America. Three weeks ago, they were telling me you cannot two weeks, you know, you cannot take. 
do not take ibuprofen. Do not take any anti-inflammatory. I'm like, why? You know, I'm thinking like this is just an anecdotal thing that somebody came up with. But of it's course. yeah. Well, people saying that you have to gargle salt water and you have to right. Like well, it, every 15 but minutes. the gargle, yeah. I know what this. There are some that, truth right? to these things because at the end of the day, this virus. How does it enter our system? The virus enters us. The virus works well in the cold, as you know, and so the coldest parts of our body are our throat and our sinus because that's where the air comes in from in the winter especially when when it's 50 degrees out and your body's 98 degrees the coldest part of your body is your mouth your throat and your and your sinus that's why we get sinus infections so the virus comes in through your mouth and it kind of multiplies and does its thing in your throat and 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 then works its way down to your lungs so they're saying that if you gargle with hot water you're gargling salt with hot water it's going to kill the bacteria and the virus that's in the back of your throat. So some people even saying that you, can, you should use oregano oil to gargle with, you know, to put it in the back of your throat. You know, I don't know how, I don't know how, you know, how true and how much this works, but it sounds like it makes sense. You know what I mean? Right, right, It right, sounds right. like it makes sense. So, but we don't know. We don't, nothing's proven at this point. This is all, this is all new to everybody, you know? So at this point, Joe, you wake up. I mean, the first thing you do, you open your eyes. I mean, did you realize that you were sort of in this medically induced coma? That's that's when I realized, I think, how serious this was, is when I woke up and I see myself literally attached to 10 different machines. There's tubes coming out of every fucking part of my body. I I can't talk. I have a breathing tube. You hear it. You hear this, like, breathing tube breathing for you. Like, it's like, you know, it's it's like a machine. And, and that's when I was like, this is, this is serious. And it's, and it's a very uncomfortable feeling. And, you know, your best friend is literally uh, this, 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 this vacuum that vacuums your saliva because you're still producing saliva, but you can't swallow it. So like, and you don't even have your family there because they don't want to get infected. They're obviously. not even right. allowed to be there. My mother kind of conned her way upstairs. She conned her way into the ICU, but she's, she's blocked by two doors. I could see her. If I move my head through a window, I could see her. You know what I mean? But she's, you know, she's, thank God, like we knew, we knew some, some, some people in the hospital, some prominent people in the hospital that kind of pulled some strings for us. But at the time, you know, when I look at it, so I was very lucky because the care was incredible. The, the, the hospital was incredible. New York Cornell is the best hospital. I, I can't imagine being better care. The doctors were amazing. Every single nurse, every time they moved me, I had a different nurse every two days. They were all better than the next. They were amazing. And and so when you when you come to Joey, you finally realize that you're hopefully a little bit out of this thing and getting better. What are your first so, thoughts? You know, I'm I'm a little scared. There's a lot of going through my mind. I'm scared. I'm 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 alone. I'm you know I'm thinking of of other people that like that might might have this that that maybe I infected possibly that might have to go through the same thing. So there's a lot of different emotions that are kind of going through my system. And at the same time, you're just super, super uncomfortable. You're just miserable because it's freezing in the room. They make it freezing for germs. So you're absolutely freezing. The bed is so uncomfortable. You, 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 you just, you, you're miserable from all the machines. You, you know, you have a, you have, you know, when you take your blood pressure, they put that thing around your arm. That thing is yep. on you all day long for 24 hours a day. It's on you. And every 20 minutes it goes off. And it, so it's pushing you. So even when you're sleeping, it goes off and then, you know, gets you gets your skin like all all like like uh, your skin gets. I almost got like a rash from it. You know what I mean? Because it's on you the whole time, and it's just friction against your skin. So it's just there's just so many parts of this that was just so uncomfortable. But yeah, no, it sounds you know. horrible. And how long did it take you to recover? So now I, I was out for 48 hours. I was up for probably two days with it still in me. So a total of I guess four days with with the um, the the.
And finally, when your lungs are able to produce enough oxygen on its own, they take you off, they take the, uh, the breathalyzer out. They take it out. I think they gave me like a sedative. They didn't put me out, but they took, they, 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 it was very simple for them to kind of take it out. And now you're breathing on your own, but they need to give you oxygen. So I still have oxygen, a mask basically that's pushing oxygen through my system because my body, my lungs are not producing enough oxygen. They want it to be above 90%. I think I was in the 80s. They wanted to, they needed to be around, you know, in the 90s, 90% oxygen level. So they wait another two days until my lungs, thank God, were able, was able to produce enough, you know, to, to produce oxygen in the 90s where they, I don't need their oxygen anymore. And once that happens, they move me out of the ice with a private regular room. And after a day, they released me. They gave me, they gave me another Corona test. That was Thursday. So I came in Thursday morning. The following Thursday night, I was out. So it was really like a little over a week of like just fucking craziness. And, and how do you know that you're not contagious anymore? At that so point? they they tell you that you need two negative uh, tests, two negative, two consecutive negative tests, and then they'll tell you you're not contagious anymore. So it, so interestingly enough, my first test that they that they took, this is kind of crazy, but on the fifth, March fifth, when I got in there Thursday, they gave me a Corona test. That Corona test was inconclusive. Not every test is accurate. Not every test. I think there's 5% of all the tests that are not accurate. There's actually a woman that, that just died that they told her she was negative and then they found out she was positive. So they're not all accurate, these tests. So the first test they gave me was uh, inconclusive. The second test they gave me, I didn't even know that they gave me another test, but I, I spoke to the Department of Health. They call you, you know, when, you, when they send you home, the Department of Health knows where you are and they call you to check on you. They want to know that you're in quarantine. So... They called me the next day on Friday when I got I got out of the hospital Thursday night. Friday they called me and they told me, so you took a test on the 5th, it was inconclusive, and you took one on the 6th the following day and you tested negative. So corona was out of my system on the 6th, apparently. Then you took another test on the 13th, which is the day that they released me, and that was negative too. So because of those two negatives in a row, they, they released my quarantine, they lifted my quarantine. Um, but I got to tell you, I was still very nervous. I didn't trust it. I was also like scared for myself. My immune system was low still. I, I ended up spending a week alone, like not seeing anybody. I was in my I was in my apartment. I was literally home alone. I didn't see anybody. I didn't. I was. I just needed time to recoup alone. It was nice to be in my own bed, like you know. So, I would guess the hardest thing, Joey, after being through something like this, not to even get to see your family or friends knowing that you're on the mend it's probably yeah. maybe the it, most it, difficult thing after after right, it also, it's also it's tough because also you know as much as i'm dying to see my, i'm very close to my family and my nieces my nephews but you you, you don't know if you can infect them still just because the doctor lifted your thing we don't know how long this thing lasts it's all very new to us you know what i mean even even no today uh, people ask the question if you have it can you get it again that's a famous question that everybody's asking and the truth is nobody came out and said it's like chicken pox you cannot get it again you know what i mean they say yeah your body might build an immune system immunity to it but we don't know that you can't get and there's different types of corona out there they say it's not all covid 19 because you know that's a, because your thought process is this can right. mutate and can essentially be another strand another form of the disease so it is possible potentially we're not doctors exactly here, so we don't want to claim anything but but what we're thinking is it's possible to get a different strand is what you and i Ex spoke exactly about earlier, so that's right? all. i'm like i don't want to take a chance you think i want to go through this again this was almost for almost freaking died
I don't want to go through this shit again, so I'd rather just take this serious, spend some time alone, you know, not... And then finally, when I felt good enough, which was Friday, two days ago, I, I ended up going home to see the family. I went to go see my, my parents. And even then, I was very cautious. Like, my, I went to my sister's house. I, I was, like, 10 feet away from them. She put a measuring tape. I was wearing a mask. You know what I mean? So I was able to see them, but I'm not... Even though, even though my quarantine is technically lifted, it's been lifted for two weeks... They're still very cautious. They're being very cautious in general. They don't let anybody in their homes. They don't even the housekeeper when she went off. They didn't let her come back. They're paying her, but they don't. Want, they won't let her back. They're very, very cautious. They're being very cautious, which is good. He's supposed to be. They haven't. They haven't left the house. I, I was saying to our yeah, and I was saying to our mutual friend Danielle Hamo today this morning when something like this happens. Obviously, neither one of us have it, so we think, but. Obviously, you, you, for someone like yourself, you realize who your real friends are, people yeah. that care about you, people that reach out. And I want to read something that you wrote, which was very heartfelt, and, and obviously it touched a lot of people. And it's short, but I think, listen, I mean, you could read it too, but I think just even saying, lessons learned this week, never take a breath for granted. Your lungs give life, never breath is a gift. I learned that if we don't make time for wellness, we'll be forced to make time for our illness. I learned that at this very moment, something else is dreaming of the things you take for granted. I learned the transcendent power of friendship, family, and prayer is so much more powerful than we know in each isms on their own. I reaffirm that New York City is the city other cities dream of being, and I'm so lucky to call her home. I'm not there yet, but thanks to so many of you on the way to, to the love and prayers and well wishes, humbled and grateful, Joey. And obviously that touched a lot of people, Joey. We are so happy that you're better, and, and uh, obviously... Almost, Almost there, right? Yeah. I'd say you probably uh, yeah, I mean, look, right? I feel fine, but unfortunately, the, you know, I get winded very quickly. So the, the there is some lung damage. With all the pneumonia, there's lung damage. They give you, like, some breathing exercises and some sort of device, but you feel it. You know, if I walk up two flights of steps, I'm winded, you know? You only... What have you learned from all this stuff in the end? Obviously, I mean, look, I, I, you know, I have a lot of... Obviously, a lot of... I'm very grateful for the, the people... The, the people that are in my lives in, in a positive way that love me, they got me out of this mess. I really believe that like it's the prayers and the people that came together to do good things to kind of get me out of this. And there was a lot of people very fortunate, you know, about that. And, you know, there's a lot of mixed emotions, you know, you, you feel, you feel humbled in a way, but, but, you know, I'm certainly grateful. Um, I, I did learn, you know, for somebody that's very social and is moving in a, a speed that's unheard of, it's nice to kind of shut down and close the engines and just kind of just enjoy what matters in life, which is just, you know, good friendship, family, and, and your health. Those are the three things that matter. Everything else is all bullshit. All this, like, materialism, all these things that we're running after, it's all nonsense. You know what I mean? And and look, look, this, this, this coronavirus is teaching us that. You know what I mean? Ultimately, that's what it's teaching us. Yeah. The, the universe is basically telling us, hey, everybody, slow the fuck down. Slow down. You guys are running too fast. Social media. Where's my next vacation? Where's my next restaurant? Where's it? We're just going at a speed that we never, that never existed before. And the universe has literally stopped us in our, in our tracks and said, hey, just go to your house. Enjoy your family. Enjoy the sunset. Enjoy doing nothing. Go fucking do a puzzle. You know what I mean? Like, it's, tell, it's, it's forcing us to slow down. And hopefully, like, when this thing ends, and it will end, you know? It's like they say, this too shall pass. This will pass. Uh, but if, but hopefully, like these lessons that we were learning now, these important things that we, and sentiments that we feel, hopefully, 
you know, we'll, we'll, we'll take it with us when, when, when things go back to normal, you know what I mean? And we don't ramp up and, 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 and go back to the way things were, you know, because I, I truly think that this is some sort of reckoning. You want to call it the universe, you want to call it God. It's, it's, it is some sort of reckoning. It's, it is because things were just out of hand, out of hand a month ago. Look at me. I'm running around like a chicken without a head going all over the place. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's unsustainable. It's not healthy. It's not a healthy lifestyle. And, but by the way, it's perspective too, right, Joey? Because at the end of the day, all we have to do is stay at home for two months or eight weeks or three weeks or six weeks or three months or whatever it may be in perspective. And even though it's really hard, and right before you came on, I actually gave some tips on trying to keep sane during this time and what you, you can do to really, really, you know, keep your mental health uh, like in, in good shape. Um, sure. It is perspective, right? Because now you have your health back and then everything, you know, Considered, I mean, you I'm so you it's so crazy. I'm, yeah. I'm so Not happy to be home. Is, like, right? I'm so happy to just sit and do nothing. It's funny. Everybody's talking about these shows that they're watching. I have not turned on the television to watch anything other than one movie, which was Outbreak, <laughs> and 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 and, and right. yeah, and the news. That's it. That's all I've been watching. I haven't watched any shows. Right. Everybody's like, oh, you got to watch the show, The Hunted. This I don't know anything about shows, but it's nice to you know just kind of shut down and just. You don't know that, like, you know, when you know you don't have to go anywhere, you're just more relaxed. You're forced to be home. You're not, like, there's no anxiety of, like, all right, I need to get up and go somewhere. And You know what I mean? Like, look, it's a trying time for everybody. It's not easy. Mothers have their kids home. People live in short, small quarters. Uh, spouses are home together for the first time, and they're home together for a long time together. It's not healthy. And that, this is, yeah. So this is it's why, tough. it's, it's tough. funny, one of the essential businesses that they're allowing to stay open in New York uh, and other 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 states, uh, are are liquor liquor stores. Liquor stores have to be open. They need the alcohol. Right, At the end right. of the day, you know, there will be a lot more domestic abuse if they didn't have alcohol. <laughs> well, and cannabis. I believe cannabis oh, sure, uh, stores are open too. But uh, but part of why I wanted to do this with you, and I, I so appreciate you after all you know everything you've been through, and we are good friends. So I appreciate you coming on. But I wanted to raise awareness, obviously. For everyone, just any advice that you give to anyone listening to this, Joey, in terms of like what to so, do, what not so to do. So I saw this, I know, saw this like forward, I saw this right? meme a couple of days ago, and it really hits home, right? And and look, it's not easy to stay home, especially coming from the the, the crazy society that we live in, where we're all we're all, over, all over the place, especially in a city like New York. People are in their apartments, like nobody's ever home, you know, where where you know they they showed how like during World War Two, which was. You know, which was an, a, a different type of epidemic, but it was a crazy time, World War II. And they showed how Anne Frank lived in a fucking closet for seven years, you know? Seven years lived in basically a closet. And we can't live in a home for two weeks, three weeks, a month. Like, with all the amenities that with we all have, the amenities and, and all the luxuries. What the fuck did she have? You know what I mean? Like, So, like, it kind of puts yeah. things in perspective. And literally, people just have to understand that, like, our only defense against this thing is literally just to sit home that's it because you can't get affected right. and you won't right. give the infection to anybody that's it it's the people that are out at the supermarkets running around still with the grocery stores still you know still going crazy that they need toilet paper and all this nonsense it, it's 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 those are the people that are getting infected those are the people that are infecting people you know right. what i mean so I think you said it fast to me last time we spoke. You said, listen, if you're coming into contact with 100 people a day, if you limit that to one listen, person, 
Right, listen, we, no, you, no, you know, we don't have to know. take it to that extreme, but I, I mentioned to you that this whole thing is a simple numbers game, you know? And and so I said, if, if, if on an average day before Corona, you come into contact with 100 people a day, let's say, and that includes your coffee shop, your this, your that, your work, your office, this includes everybody you've come into contact with for a day. Let's say the number is 100. For me, it's probably more than 100. But let's say the number is 100 for argument's sake. Now you, you, you're practicing social distancing, you're home, you're doing, you know, you're doing the right thing, and you only now come into contact with 10 people a day as opposed to 100. You just reduced your chances of getting infected by 90%. That's a fucking big number. That's a big percentage. You know what I mean? So, and that's, the, that's no what question. they're trying to say. That's what they're trying to hit home like. And a lot of people aren't listening. Oh, I got to go. I heard there's still people congregating on the west side. My friend this morning, Nicole, she was she went for a jog. She's like, people are still in the grass and they're still congregating. They have their wine. They're just like, some people just don't take this serious, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, you're a testament that this is a very is. serious thing, my friend. And I think you have a Thank lot you. of love out there. And listen, I think your story is a very important one. I'm glad that uh, you were able to share it with us. And obviously, everyone is going to be well informed now that they get to hear this. And uh, Thank you, hey, man, just get better soon. I know you're, you're about 95 percent. Thanks, so Scott. Love to you. I appreciate you coming on. And uh, and hopefully, I'll get to see Amen, you all over in person. We'll get to, we'll get to share one of you know do one of our dinners that we <laughs> normally would do and then. Hi there, my name is John Paul Kermy. I am a breathwork teacher. I'm really excited to be doing this new podcast with my good friend Feldy called Hang Up. That's right. I'm John Feldman. I'm in a band called Goldfinger. John Paul taught me breathwork. It changed my life. We're talking about solutions to problems today. Listen to Hang Ups on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, hey there. Hey, Dennis Quaid is here. That's right. And guess what? I have a podcast. It's called The Denaissance, and I think you should listen. I'm having some really cool conversations with some really interesting people like music legend Billy Ray Cyrus, housewife Beverly Hills, Garcelle Bouvet, and many, many more. Listen to The Denaissance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. do y'all i'm uncle drank star of the ballad of uncle drank it is a scripted musical podcast about the life and times of me fictional golf and western country music pioneer uncle drank the series also stars luke wilson brian kelly chelsea lynn kinky friedman and billy zane as a talking blender named blendy you can find the ballad of uncle drank on sirius xm pandora stitcher or wherever you get your podcast 